Who didn't see it? <laughs> okay, so when they did this study about 10 years ago, only 50% of the people saw the gorilla. Can you believe that? Uh, for those that saw the gorilla, you're like, how can you miss it? For those that didn't see it, like me, you're like, how, I didn't, what? There's a gorilla? <laughs> What's going on? Why are we yelling? This is crazy. Um, so... <laughs> One of the things we're doing, we're starting a new series, and welcome. If this is your first time to our church, welcome. Um, love to have you. Uh, fill out a Connect card. Love to meet you afterwards and, uh, and, and talk with you. We just started a new series, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I know we did. Just had an awesome time uh, with family and friends and everything else. Um, but uh, we, we started a new series this week called Missing Pieces. And it's, uh, it's going to be a long series. Uh, the first four, really, it's, we're going to deal a lot with Advent and Christmas and what's happening and, 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 and the hope and the peace and the joy and the love and everything that, that God brings us uh, through the person of Jesus Christ. And, uh, and after that, we're going to take an extended view into the whole book of Philippians and really looking at joy, that, that big missing piece that I believe a lot of people are missing. Uh, I, myself included, in the craziness of the day, we miss that. Um, but uh, it, it's, the reason I showed that video is, one, because there's a gorilla in it. Come on. It's always fun to show a gorilla. Um, two, it, it really just, I think, helps us to understand that we could be looking at something, we could be focused on something, and we could still miss it. We could miss the whole reason. We can miss the purpose. Um, th- there's a missing piece, and we didn't even know it. Uh, and so Christmas, I believe, is one of those holidays where we can get so caught up so much stuff going on. Does anybody, is anybody like already done with everything that's going on with Christmas? And st- you go to the store and it's like you're being assaulted from the smells to the sights to the, every, I mean, to the sounds. It's like, I've heard this jingle a thousand times and it's like a great Christmas carol or whatever, but you just can't stand it because you're so inundated with with the, the minutia, I guess you could say, of Christmas. And some of you who work in the service industry are definitely done uh, with Christmas because it's really pushed on you. Um, and, and, you know, we live in such a day and age, um, su- such a place where, where it's all about the, 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 the balls that are being passed around and we're called to focus on them and watch them and how many and count and count and count. And, and, and the, the truth is we're missing the real reason for the season. We're missing Jesus. And, and so what we really want to look at this, this next four weeks, especially as we're just going through Advent, is to see those missing pieces that Jesus came as the Son of God to connect us to the Father so that we might overflow with these missing pieces to the world around us. Because again, it, Christianity is not something we just do on a Sunday. Christianity is not just another uh, um, religion. Christianity is a relationship with the King of Kings, that in turn should change every relationship we have with those around us. Loving God and loving people. That's what it's all about. And I believe a lot of times, we as, as, as Christians, those of us who, who have maybe been Christians for a long time, we get the loving God part. We get the, the understanding of, of, of what it means to look to God, but, but we lose what that means as it's translated into our life as we love other people. As we reach out and we go to the least, we go to the last and we go to the lost. Because it's all about him and it's all about how that translates in our lifestyle with others. There's that orthodoxy and then we have that orthopraxy. And we need to have both. And very much so, what we're seeing with missing pieces are these pieces that should be representative of our lives. 
That first missing piece that we're going to talk about is hope. I, I'm, I, sorry, I have to improv a little bit here. Uh, I worked in the service industry for a long time. I was a, a waiter, a professional waiter. I wasn't just a waiter. I was a professional waiter. You know what I'm saying? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. Okay, I wasn't an annoying waiter. I was a really good waiter. I was the waiter that made like $30 an hour because I worked at gourmet restaurants. And this was good money back in the 90s, you know. Um, so I remember uh, uh, just working in the restaurant so much of the time. And I remember uh, talking with other waiters because I was there, obviously. And here I was. I was a Christian. I knew the love of God. And, and I wanted to translate that out to, the, to loving others. And I just remember my fellow coworkers who, who would say things like, I hate Sundays. I'm like, what? Why do you hate Sundays? Well, I hate, I mean, because I would tell them I hate working Sundays because I wanted to be with my family and go to church and, you know, or not have to rush out of church to go work or whatever it was. But, but they said, no, no, I, I hate Sundays because of all the Christians. I'm like, what, what? <laughs> like, you, I, I mean, I was almost offended a little bit because I'm like, I, I'm a Christian, you know? And they, well, not you, you're different. <laughs> That's what they would say. I'm like, well, thanks, you know? But they, they basically would say that, like, Christians were so like downers and cheap and and they would just go off and like and so i remember on sundays my main prayer on sundays was not help me to be a light but lord give me all the christians because i don't want my non-christian co-workers to get them and be offended now again i'm not here to knock christians I, I, but i just remember some of the gloomiest people were christians at the table that i would serve and the craziest thing, I remember this older couple, they, I didn't even know they were Christian, but they would barely talk, they were barely, and at the end of the meal, they would tip a little tiny bit, and, and then they would just leave a track about how there's hope in Jesus. And I just remember going, you left a piece of paper that says that, but I would love to have seen that in your life. I mean, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm not trying to knock them, but see, this is the missing piece that Jesus, Jesus came as the ultimate missing piece. And as he fills our life in our love for him, it should outflow with hope to the world around us. I was privileged to do a, a funeral yesterday for a woman of God. Just a great woman of God. She lived her life in such a way that, I mean, it, it, there was just hope. And at that funeral, there was just so much hope. It was hard not to even just, I mean, you could slice it down the middle. I mean, it was just palpable. You can feel it. Every sense, there was hope. Because that was her life filled with Jesus as it outpoured to others in hope. And so I really want to look at this missing piece today because I feel that we let the stress of family, the stress of work, the lack of funds in our bank account, the strain of relationships, our kids' schedules, I mean, everything are like those balls being passed around. We're watching them, right? We're watching them, we're watching them, and we're missing Jesus as he's walking right through. And as he stops and says, I'm here, I have hope, let me bring it. Do you have that hope? That's my question. We have a take-home truth every week. And if you have your bulletin, we like to fill out a couple things just to keep your brain active. I know I need to. A lot of times I just doodle or whatever, but it helps me think. And that take-home truth is simple. We don't want to miss out on the hope that Jesus brings. We don't want to miss that hope. What I'd like to do right now is at this, at this church here, at the mission, what we do is in reverence of God's word, we stand for the reading of God's word. So if you're able, please stand up with us as we read God's word right now. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, all right? Let's look at this. 
In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The son is in the, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word after he had provided purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven so he became as much superior to or or better than the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to or better than theirs okay you may be seated we're going to be looking at the book of hebrews in the next couple of weeks. And really what's interesting about the book of Hebrews is, is one of the main themes, I mean the main theme of the book of Hebrews, in fact the main theme of, um, of the Bible is Jesus. It really is. And, and many people miss it in the Old Testament, but he's there all the way through it. Um, but the main word that's used in the book of Hebrews is better. It's used 22 times in the book of Hebrews. It's better. Jesus is better. Because the people in that time, the first century Palestine, the first believers, were, were, were also, like you and me, had a lot of balls that were being thrown around, and they were watching them, and they were trying to figure it out, and they were missing the best thing. They were missing Jesus. And they got so stuck in the programs and, 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 and just the plans and the, and, and the things that were going on that they missed hope, the hope of Jesus. And so what we want to look at in the book of Hebrews is some very simple things. And these are those missing pieces. And today, again, we're going to be looking at hope. If you're taking notes, the first note is simple. It says, see, when push comes to shove, we are tempted more to go home than to seek the hope Jesus brings. Again, we're tempted more to go home than to seek the hope that Jesus brings. Now, when I mean home, I don't mean someplace uh, nice and comfy. I'm not talking about your home. I, I'm talking about just the fact that we go, we, we go back to what, what we know as opposed to going towards Jesus, the hope. Let, let me explain. The, the best way to explain this is to look at the children of Israel. As you know, many of you know, they were slaves in Egypt for 400 years. And Moses was sent by God as an 80-year-old shepherd in Midian, to come and come back to, to Egypt and to lead God's people because he cared about them, to lead them out of this oppression, of this slavery, where, by the way, I mean, that's how most stuff in, in, in the ancient world was built. You know, we look at these, these massive things and we go, how did they do that? Well, slave labor. <laughs> and that's exactly what was going on in Egypt with the Jews. Now, the, the, the biggest account puts about two million of them. Smallest accounts like about four, six hundred thousand of them. But there was a lot of them, bottom line. And they were building everything and they were working, you know, 20 hour days. They didn't get much food. They didn't get much sleep. They had no rights. They were slaves. And Moses came to lead them out. And what's interesting is that as they're being led out, I mean, God does miraculous things. He brings such hope. He leads them by day, the cloud. And then by night, a pillar of fire. I mean, you can't get much more obvious than a pillar of fire and millions of people walking after it. What's that all about? That's God. The hope, they saw it. They followed it. And yet it says they continually looked back. 
They continually longed and even says, Hey, Moses, you let us out here to die. You, you, you let us out here and we just want to go back because we had some food back home. We had, we had a little crawl space that we could sleep in. See, they wanted to go back. They didn't want to go, go towards the hope of the promised land, of what Jesus wanted to do in their life. We have a tendency to do this. Peter talks about this in 1 Peter. As he reminds believers, he says, you guys are a holy nation, a holy priesthood. He's using Levitical languages. He says, you, you are the ones that God has chosen to be the hope bearers in this world. You're strangers in this world. You're aliens in this world. This isn't your home, he basically says. We need to live with our head and our hopes in heaven and sharing that with others. So the author is saying some things here that we need to make sure we don't miss. And I want to point these out to you. See, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors, he says, through the prophets at many times and in many ways. It's interesting because Hebrews is actually written in very high Greek. It's written in such a way that like most of the uh, you know scholars they look at Hebrews as like whoa whoever wrote Hebrews was like a PhD in Greek. And he uses some interesting things and he almost uses a, like a poetic way to explain it. He says this when he says uh, when he says in many times in various ways he's saying uh, Paulo Meireos or Paulo Meireos and Paulo Tropos. And he's basically using these words as, a, as almost like, a, like a, a play on words because he's saying, well, let me just explain it this way. It's easier to say this. It's God has spoken a ton of times in a ton of ways. That's the, that's the simple way to understand it. He said, God has spoken simply and simply. Abraham, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, David, the prophets. God spoke through each and every one of them. Every single one of them pointed to the hope of Jesus Christ. But see, these people had something in common as they were trying to say, don't go back home, look forward to the hope that God has for us. Each one of these these people had something in common. They were were imperfect, just like you and me. They, They did not have everything together. They made mistakes. This is what I love about the Word of God. You see, when you go into all these other uh, um, religions and you look at their, 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 um, their texts and everything, they uphold their prophets or they uphold their, their texts make people out to be like superhumans, metahumans, perfect people. You can't even say they were imperfect. In some religions, they will kill you if you say their prophet is, in, is imperfect. That's not the Bible. <laughs> the Bible shows the prophets warts and all. Moses? Oh my gosh. It, it, Moses was... was very imperfect. All you have to do, he killed somebody. He, he, he murdered somebody. Abraham, he was a liar. He lied all the time to save his own skin. He did it all the time. And, and the Bible just shows it as it is. Jacob, he was a con man. He had to run and he got conned himself. Schemer, manipulator. Joshua, he fell short of the orders that God gave him to do what God told him to do. He fell short of it. He stopped. He didn't listen all the way. David, he was an adulterer, even a murderer. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. Words and all, God used him. Why do I bring all this up? Well, simply, we will never be better. That's why God gives us the best. 
See, the temptation, when we, when we look to the hope, is say, okay, God, I, I can do this. I'm going to follow you, I'm going to look to the hope, and I'm going to get better. No, God shows us these people. He uses this. In the, in the book of Hebrews, it's almost like the, the author is saying, look, he spoke to us through these imperfect people. He spoke to us through these people that we hold up very high, but the truth is they were just like you and me. Because it's not about them. It's about the hope that God spoke through them. This is why God gives us Jesus. Because he is the best. We don't need to do more or be better. We just need to follow the best, Jesus. He brings hope, not us. See, we're, we're to be almost like tour guides. And many people look at this as, as, as Christians and say, man, I can't bring Jesus to my work. <laughs> I, I can't bring Jesus to my home. I can't bring... Hey, you're not bringing anybody anywhere. God is already there. You just need to point him out. You just need to share what he's doing in people's lives already. Jesus is active. The Holy Spirit is moving. It's not about you bringing anything. It's not about you being better. I've talked to so many people who say, man, I'm just a horrible Christian. I'm sorry, there's no such thing as horrible Christian. There's only Christian or non-Christian. And yet we do this in the church, don't we? That guy is not a very good Christian, but that girl, she's a great Christian. What? that, That makes no sense. Either you are or you aren't. And it's not about you. It's about Jesus who lives through you, bringing the hope, bringing the best, pointing that out. This is the whole point. And the author brings it back. See, Christmas was actually a pagan holiday. I've had many people, hey, you know what Christmas? Yeah, it was a pagan holiday. It was actually first noted in Babylon when you had uh, the, a pagan, well, let me just read about it. It was, it was to celebrate the mother goddess and, and sun. And later we see in Egyptian writings, uh, it says this, Consider this, it was during the winter solstice that the son of Isis, the Egyptian queen of heaven, birth was celebrated. And so it was a very common thing that they would do with, the, with, with goddess and the birthing and all these different things that they would put together. It was almost like the hymns that were so popular were, were, were old bar tunes. And so they, the Christians took that and said, you know what? We want to bring hope in this hopeless thing. See, the first church was around when all these things were going on. And they recognized that real hope was not being revealed. And so they wanted to reveal it and be revealed through that. And that's why we have Christmas today. Because Jesus is the author of hope and fills the missing spots in our life. So the, 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 the author of Hebrews points out seven things. And I want to put you through these seven things very quickly. And if you're following along, this is just where Jesus brings hope. First, Jesus brings hope because he is in control of all things. Jesus brings hope because he is in control of all things. You see, it says, whom he appointed heir of all things. He's in control. I want to show you this video really quick because I believe this really encapsulates what he's in control of. Let's take a look at this.
That's a lot. (laughs) And that's just looking at the physical realm. That we know. It's crazy to even comprehend, but everything belongs to Jesus. He's in control of everything. I I love that because it shows the circles and it just gives that perspective as the circles go out and as as they go out, as they go out. And we have trouble just concentrating and focusing on our sphere of influence, our circle of what we know, of what we have. And God is in control of all things. Jesus is heir of all things and in control. You might be asking, even the health problems that still remain a mystery to all the doctors and specialists? Yes, he's in control. Even the economy and your job future that looks so out of control? Yes. Everything is in the hands of the carpenter from Galilee. He's in control. And that gives us hope like no else. Nothing else. Second, bring, Jesus brings hope because he is the creator of all things, through whom also he made the universe. He not only owns it, he made it. The, the interesting word for the universe is aeon, uh, um, and, and aeon is translated ages. So it's not just the physical realm. It's not saying, he, hey, he just created all the stuff and then walked away. See, the idea of this in the Greek is that he created it all, even everything that's happening, as if he has a plan and a purpose for everybody and everything and every second and every minute and every hour and every week. Everything is all in his hands and in his plan. He created it all. He is the one who set all of it up, who gives and fulfills the purpose of all things. See, maybe you're like me and you just you get so caught up in watching and counting and the the minutia of the day and the strain and the stress and the pressures and you've missed the creator who has a purpose and a plan for even that thing. I, I have such a privilege to hang out with these people at, at a prayer meeting every week. And it's great because I love it because there's just, there's all ages and, and all, just all types of people. And one of the people there runs the, uh, my father's house here in town, which takes care of, uh, teenage girls and shares Jesus with them. Um, and, and not only tells them about God, but loves them, um, with, with that unconditional godly love. And, and her, her name is, is Olisa Ward. And she's just a great gal. I love her. She's a Nigerian widow who came over from Nigeria because she felt God just said, go over there and take care of, uh, of, of, of kids, just go over there and do it. So she's like, okay, she's crazy, you know? Some people are just crazy, right? Like God says go and they just go. It's weird. It's just totally weird. And she did it. And, and, and it's crazy because every time I talk to her, my faith is bolstered. I just, it's like she's just so simple about things and yet that's exactly what we need to be is just simple because she just says God's the creator of all things. He, 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 he's got a plan and a purpose for me. And she recently got sick and, and nobody could tell her why. She had this eye problem and, and she was in intense pain and couldn't sleep and finally she went to the doctors and she hadn't been to the doctors in a long time. And she's sitting in a hospital and all the doctors are probing her and trying to figure it out and they're like, well, we don't know. You know, they're just, they're going like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why you're sick. And so she's sitting there and instead of saying, God, what the heck, what's wrong with you? She goes, no, 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 no. God, you, you're the creator. You have a plan and a purpose for me, even in this sickness. And it's like one in the morning, and she's sitting there in pain, and she's like, I can't sleep. (laughs) Nothing they do works, I don't understand, but you know, because you're my creator, and you have a plan and a purpose. So what do you have me here for? 
And there was a lady next to her that also couldn't sleep, but she didn't know it, but she just, hello? <laughs> and her, just, she has a great Nigerian accent. I could, I can't give it justice, so I won't even try, but, you know, she's just so sweet. She's, hello? You know, she's trying, yes? And, why are you here? And she just starts talking to her. And, and, and as she's listening to this gal, she says, well, I believe God has me here for a reason and a purpose. And I think that reason and a purpose is you. Can I pray for you? They still don't know what happened to her. She was in there for a couple more days. She ministered to her doctor. She ministered to anybody they brought next to her. And she said, the Jesus is awesome. We have a creator. Yeah, but look at your face. You're all sick. I know it hurts. It's, it's, it's junky. But, but Jesus has a purpose. And so many people, so many sick people were ministered to and heard about Jesus just because Olisa Ward said, God's the creator. He's in control and he's the creator. He has a plan. What hope? You see, there's hope even in a hospital. Maybe Jesus has a plan for your sickness. Maybe he has a plan for your joblessness. Maybe he has a plan for your singleness. Maybe he has a plan for your struggles and your family. And I say maybe facetiously because I know he does. Because he's the creator. And there's hope. Will you let him be the creator and not miss him? Third, Jesus brings hope because he consumes all things. See, the sun is the radiance of God's glory. If, if you remember back to when we were going through the book of Leviticus, the, the Israelites at that time in Levitic, uh, the book of Leviticus were setting up the, the worship and the sacrifice, and they got to a point where they waited for God to show up, and what did God do? He showed up, and he showed up in a ball of fire as he came down. It says the Shekinah glory came down and consumed the, Af- the, the sacrifice, consumed all of it. And it was pleasing to the Lord and the smell and everything. That word for, for that glory that came down is the same word that they're saying Jesus is. Jesus is that consuming presence. Like the sun when you go outside. You feel it. You know when it's not up because it's dark. Jesus is that way so much more. Infinitely more. It says in the word that we can love because he first loved us. We have patience because he's patient with us. We can be selfless because he's selfless with us. We can, we can do all these things because he consumes. See, everything that's good and awesome in this world is because Jesus radiates it, us, it to us. The earth is consumed by the presence of the Lord. And all we have to do is look for it and point it out and share it with others. Even in my mean cousin that I can't stand and he smells really bad? Yes. Yes. But what about that neighbor? Mm Mm-hmm. God is wanting to consume the death of that sacrifice. Wait, even in me who can't get things right? Yes. We present ourselves as living sacrifices, it says in Romans 12. And God will consume us and use us for his purpose. Because he consumes all things and brings hope. Number four, Jesus brings hope because he is the exact character of God. See, it says he's the exact representation of his being, God. You see, if you want to know who God is and what he looks like, look to Jesus. You see, I I remember this song back in the 90s, uh, or wasn't in the 90s? What if God is one of us? What if he's just a stranger on the bus? You know, it was this, I think it was Lisa Loeb, or I don't know who it was that sang it. 
And uh, I just remember thinking about that, going, oh, is that crazy? But you know, the, the, the truth is, like, here was Jesus 2,000 years ago walking amongst people, and they missed him. The people who had the whole Old Testament memorized walked right by him and didn't even recognize him. He's the exact representation of God. If we want to know what God says, we look to what Jesus says. If we want to know what God does, we look to Jesus. When we struggle with self-doubt and who we are and guilt about who who we have become or what we have done or not done, and we wonder, does God even care? We just need to see Jesus staring right back at us with the holes in his hands. And look to that sacrifice that he did for both you and me. Because he loves us. Jesus is the exact character of God. And that should give us hope. Fifth, Jesus brings hope because he carries all things. See, it says, sustaining all things by his powerful word. Why did you wake up today? Jesus. That's what the word says. Why did the sun rise? Jesus. Why are the stars still in place? Jesus. Why do we have anything? Jesus. Let me tell you a a truth, and I know you're going to be astounded right now. You're going to be like, oh, stop it. (laughs) No, Pastor Chris, not you. I can't even sustain a good relationship with my wife and kids for more than a week. Heck, for more than a day. I know, you're surprised, right? You're like, you? There's no hope for any of us. Please. I can't sustain a good relationship with with my own family longer than a week. I can't, I can't sustain a relationship with myself where I actually love myself all day long in the power of myself. Because I'm going to do something that I'm going to look at and go, self, you're an idiot. Why did you do that? Or why did you say that? Or why didn't you do that? Or why didn't you? See, Jesus carries all things. He can sustain all things. This is why we look to him. This is why the prophets look to him. We don't want to go back home. We want the hope that he brings today and tomorrow. And this is why. Nellie had hope. Because she didn't look to herself. She looked to the Lord that died for her and was going to bring her every step of the way closer. This is what we have to do. This is why it's all about Jesus. We don't want to bring you a system. We don't want to bring you a religion. We don't want to bring you a lifestyle. We just want to bring you Jesus. That's why Paul said, I do all things. I, I, I make everything simple. So I just bring the gospel. That's it. I just want to bring Jesus. I don't want to get into arguments and say it's about this or about that. I just want to bring Jesus. It's so simple and yet so profound because he sustains all things. All things. I know that's hard. I know that's tough. Because there's marriages that are failing. There are families that are dying. I know. Because we try to carry it, don't we? We try to do it. We pull ourselves up with our own bootstraps and we say, I'm going to do this. And the truth is, we can't do it. But Jesus can. And if we honestly just say, you know what? This is who I am. I'm just like David. I'm just like Abraham. I mean, I am not perfect. The truth is, I want to go back. But Jesus is calling me forward. To the hope. Do you trust that hope in your work, 
in your family, in your life. Jesus can. Will you let him carry you and bring that missing piece of hope into your life? Sixth, Jesus brings hope because he cures all things. After he had provided, it says, purification for sins. You see, he gave himself up for you and me. He carried all of our sins so that we might be cured for eternity. And I don't mean this as Jesus is the cure and once you get Jesus, you can move on. Because sometimes we do that, don't we? We make Jesus a means to an end. No, he's it. Because when you walk away from Jesus, you're walking away from the God that sustains everything. See, that's the gospel. That's the good news. Is we're all messed up. And sometimes we, we, we forget about that. Like the, the Christians I used to serve, they, they would come in and they would act like they've got it all together and they're perfect. And, they're, and I, one of the saddest things that I'm told a lot is, wow, you, you're a very open and honest guy and it's very refreshing to hear a pastor say he struggles. Why? Why is that, why is that weird? Paul, in the book of 2 Corinthians, outlines how depressed he is that he was so depressed and so hurting. People are knocking him like crazy and punching him left and right. I mean, he's got this after him and that after him. And all he does is say, I struggle, I struggle, I struggle, I struggle. And yet we live in such a day and age where most people who are Christians say, oh, I don't struggle, I'm perfect, I'm saved, I'm everything's great, everything's great. Really? Because I, I want what you're drinking. Because I, that's not me. I'm tempted to go back home all the time. I need to look to Jesus because he's the only one that, that never struggled with sin. He cures all things. I can't cure it. I can't do it. That's the good news. He's not just all powerful, but all giving in his heart of love. I guess my question is, do you, do you truly know this Savior? And I'm not saying, oh, you know, this is your first time at church and you've never darkened the door of a, of a church your whole life. No, there's many people who have come to church for years and they still really don't trust and know Jesus, the Redeemer. I want to challenge you today. If you don't know Jesus, stick around. I would love to pray for you. Because I need Jesus every day. And the days I don't look to him, I'm probably going to hurt somebody. Because <laughs> that's what I do in my own thing. Jesus truly is the answer. He's the cure for our hopelessness. Last, but not least here, Jesus brings hope because he completes all things. See, it says he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The, the crazy thing about this is if you were to go to the temple, the priests never sat down unless they were you know, on break and they would go off and do something. But, but, but what the writer here is doing is he's bringing to the Hebrews something that they understood. You see, a perfect high priest would not sit down because they're not done. They had to, Next day they had to do the sacrifice again and they had to do it again and they had to do it again. And the, and the books and the annals say that the blood flowed constantly from the temple because of all the sacrifices that needed to be made, because it was not complete. See, Jesus brings hope because he completes all things. He said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. And as he, laid, as he sat there on the cross dying, he said, it is finished. It is complete. It is done. 
And the interesting thing is this is it sits down at the right hand of the majesty. Now, this isn't a hierarchical thing. This isn't like, here's God and here's Jesus. No. The, the understanding of this is anybody in the ancient world would have gotten this. The idea is Jesus sits at the right hand because he's saying always to his father, do you know my brother? Do you know my sister? I am championing him. I am advocating for her. I am standing up and telling you, my father, that that's my son. That's my daughter. That's my friend. And we're going to fight for them. And we're going to help them. Jesus is at the right hand of God, fighting for us, championing for us, and advocating for you and me. Jesus can completely bring hope. I want to end this with a very simple, simple truth that Paul lays out in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 34. By the way, Paul was a terrorist. (laughs) There's hope for everybody. He says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His one and only Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life. What? He, it says right here, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for you. Do you know Him? Do you have hope? Do you have real hope? I want to challenge you. Now, maybe you do know Jesus, and you, but, but you've lost sight. You've gotten all these things going on, and, you, know, and you, just, you don't even see the big gorilla walking through like in that video. You don't see Jesus in the middle of all of this. Because family is just crazy, am I right? The economy just stinks, am I right? I mean, you name it. I mean, we could just talk about so many things that stink and that are hard and that are difficult, and we, can, we could just go all day long. And complain and grumble and say, but I had it so much better back then and I just want to go back. I just want to go back. No! Look forward to the hope that Jesus has. And He wants to do something. He wants to partner with you. Yes. Even where you're at. Yes. That's the hope of Jesus Christ. Please don't miss this. We don't want to miss out on the hope that Jesus brings. Lord, we thank you. We bless you. This is why in the, in the book of Philippians that we're going to look at soon, Lord, Paul and all these things just said, Rejoice! Be joyful! Be joyful! Because, Jesus, you're so good. You're so awesome. It's all about you. How can we not be hopeful in the midst? How can we not give praise in the middle How can we not look to your majesty and say, praise you? Lord, I know it's tough. I know my brothers and sisters, we're dealing with sickness. We're dealing with trials. We're dealing with troubles. Lord, that's why we gather. So that we could just put our arms on each other and and point 
to your son Jesus and say, He's with us. He's advocating. He's championing. He's doing something great. Lord, may my brothers and sisters truly see you, truly follow you. Give us that hope that we need in this season. And Lord, not just so we can hold on to it. No, Lord, we want that hope so that we can share it. Lord, every member here is a mission, has a mission. And that mission is a, to be a reconciler, to bring hope to the world around them. They have co-workers, they have neighbors, they have friends. Lord, we want to bring your hope. Lord, in the power of Jesus, may my brothers and sisters go out and bring that hope to share and show the love of Christ. May I do that. May we do that. Because you are active and living. Lord, I just again pray that if there's anybody here that does not know you, they would stick around. Because you're in control. And you want to carry them and cure them and complete in them the hope that you have for us all. I want to bring the ushers on forward. Again, if you're here for the first time, please don't feel obligated to bring an offering today. We've set a time this, 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 this aspect of our, of our discipleship as a time where we, as a church family, call on church members to, to bring their gifts to Jesus with a thankful heart. It's ultimately just one more step of following Jesus. And our goal is to have 70 mission members, 70 families in our church that give on a regular basis, on a monthly basis. So that we can reach out to the least, to the last, and to the lost. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We give you our offering today. We know you bring hope like nothing else. Amen.